Before the Rings of Power, there were the Silmarils. Before Sauron, there was his master Morgoth. Before Aragorn and Arwen, there was Beren and Luthien. Join us as we explore Tolkien and all the ages of Middle-earth with your hosts from TheOneRing.com, Jonathan Watson, Michael Grumbine, and Dan Coates. Hey, everybody. As you can see, or here, there's no Michael or Dan with me today. I am all by myself. Uh, schedules, the summer, I'll be going on vacation in a couple weeks. But today, um, instead of uh, going through another story of, of Tolkien's or another essay like we did with On Fairy Stories, which is incredibly rewarding if you go to the wondering.com slash on-fairy-stories, I believe you can uh, get all six episodes there and listen to that in succession. It's uh, a really interesting discussion on what Tolkien meant by fairy stories and why they are important. So, uh, yeah, listen to that. But you can see Michael and Dan aren't here. And in lieu of that, what we're doing is releasing uh, some of those episodes, some of those interviews I had with the cast and crew of The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, back in 2003. I recorded these on a on an iPod with a microphone that was like third party. And, and so the audio isn't great, just like my voice isn't great right now as I'm a little bit under the weather. But uh, it, it, there's a lot of static at times and we repaired that as best we could, but it's really impossible to get it out without any sort of massive work uh, in order to uh, fix it. So uh, we made it listenable. And um, there are a lot of interesting parts, particularly where Ian McKellen talks about the importance of the books about the 15 to 18 minute point from the start of the recording and um and how that was top of mind to them um and i think that's important as we look at how it isn't to other folks who are adapting tolkien these days <coughs> rings of power so uh yeah take a listen it's really it's really interesting in our extended podcast um we're going to go into some more details on this on uh ian mckellen on his portrayal of gandalf on my thoughts on his on his portrayal of Gandalf. What is the little jade thing they talked about in the beginning of this episode, too? I'll show you a picture of that. Um, and we'll talk more about where we're going with uh, the podcast over the next few months in particular. Uh, and so if you want to hear that extended edition, you can become a member at thewondering.com slash member. It's $4 a month. First month is free. You hear this every week if you're a regular listener. And uh and why aren't you subscribed if you're regular? Come on, it's four bucks a month. It's it's like less than a freaking like medium tall whatever frappuccino at Starbucks these days, which is nuts to me. I can't believe how expensive coffee is. Can you? Like I go there and I have to get a refill over and over and over again and bring it home so that makes it worthwhile. Okay, never mind. Rant over. Uh, so anyway, become a member at the wonder.com slash member. You, become a, uh, you get the extended podcast, which is usually about 20 minutes longer. And uh, you get uh, access to our Discord channel. Uh, and all the folks there that are discussing Tolkien and the books and the films and the adaptations and uh, going through our book club that we're reading uh, Taliesin by Stephen R. Lawhead, which is being made into a fantasy series by The Daily Wire. So that'll uh, be something to look forward to coming up. Um, and also, hey, because we're, we're doing this also uh, reading through or listening to these interviews, um, which will probably have another one or two, maybe three, I, maybe coming out um, over the next month is that uh, we're going to be going through the complete list of film changes, which is something that uh, one of our uh, editors back in the early 2000s put together named Ann Calgon the Black. And we're going to need your help to update it. So what is the complete list of film changes? Well, let me show you. Back in 
the early 2000s, one of our editors, Ann Callaghan the Black, as he was named, uh, he created the complete list of film changes, uh, which is if you go to film changes up here at the top, if you're watching this on YouTube or Rumble, you can see us there. We have general changes, fellowship wearing two tires, return the king. There are a lot of changes here, but it's not complete. Michael and I um, and, and Dan at times, he won't be able to join us all the time, but we're going to be going through each one. We're going to be rating it. We're going to be talking about is it lore friendly? Is it even necessary? And going through each change that we have. Um, and so when we look at like the Fellowship of the Ring, for instance, this change here, there are quite, I mean, look at that scroll bar right there. There are quite a few changes here that we're going to go over. However, when you go to the Return of the King, it was later in the process and, and we don't have quite as many. So we're going to need your help in order to update this complete list of film changes, make it complete. And if you want to hear, hear us talk about your change, um, we'll We'll call you out when we do it. Um, but all you have to do is go to the onewing.com slash changes or under film changes. You can click on submit a change and you get to the page that uh, tells you right here, uh, right here, go to the fellowship of the ring changes, two tower changes, return of the king changes. And you can just go ahead and say, you know, you missed this change. Here's what you need to add. Right. And then you can just uh, put it into there. Um, you can view the entire list right here by going through uh, what we have right now. So just go to the oneway.com slash changes and submit a change that we might have missed so that we can review it online, in the podcast, on YouTube. Every single one will be published. You'll have a, an exhaustive, exhaustive list of how Peter Jackson got the freaking thing wrong. No, no, no. I'm I, I know everything can't be in there. And there are changes, believe it or not, that I actually liked to the film that weren't in the book. So go to the oneway.com slash changes and uh, submit them there. Uh, and, uh, and we're going to jump into this interview with, uh, Ian McKellen again, sorry for the audio. I'll talk a little bit about it at the end, my thoughts about, uh, what he says about Peter Jackson and the books and him and the books, um, and how they do indeed perhaps go back to the books, back to the books, back to the books, little inside joke there. If you've been around for a long time with the rings of power. So here you go. The interview with Ian McKellen. Something from New Zealand? It is. It's made of green stone, mm -hmm. which is um, the local jade, really, but it's very, very hard. And uh, thank you. The Maori use it to make weapons out of, but now they use it as a, a keepsake, and uh, the tradition is that you don't buy, buy it, but you're given it. And I was given this by a group of people I spoke to when I was there last time. So is it a relief to be coming to the end of this uh, three, four-year thing? Mixed emotions? Or? Uh, I don't know that we're at the end of it. I mean, I, I, I put the last Gandalf grunt down the line from central London to New Zealand uh, for the battle scenes in the last film, and I exhausted. Oh, that it, so Peter, is that, is that it? And he said, yes. And we said, well, we've got a few more. For the uh, extended DVD, so I don't know that we're finished with it. And then there's always the Hobbit to come. Right? Uh -huh. uh, are you hoping? Because <laughs> well, Peter said last night to a BAFTA group, uh, if it happens uh, and he's not offered the job, he'd be a bit disappointed. And right. I think that's something <laughs> yeah, you know, I since. The principal photography, I, I've made two films and I've been in a long run on Broadway and another one in the West End. I've had other jobs, right. so it hasn't been, it's not like it's been for Peter. Right. Who finished work on Friday night and on Monday morning was storyboarding right. King Kong. Right. 
have to ask you about something I asked Peter about the Shire. They're being very symbolic of a place that we all want to get to, a place of peace and happiness. What is the Shire for you, Ian? Where is that place? Oh, I see. Well, it's in your heart, but it's also in your, it's home, isn't it? Home. Home at a particular time in your life? Uh, well, it's a myth. It could be whatever you want it to be, but uh, I, I wouldn't go beyond saying it's home. It's where you came from, uh, and it's where you feel secure, and it's where you feel safe. I mean, life may be a bit complicated there, but the, the, I think the hobbits have sort of got it sorted out. With you. They're, they're, they're the, the comfortable side of human nature, and uh, I think it's probably it helps and the idea of home and the idea of hobbitry and the idea of hobbiton perhaps explains the immense appeal of these stories. Um, um, I'm not sure I'd want to live in the Hobbit in the Peter Jackson's imagination. I think I think there's far too much... Um, no, I must be careful. There's a sort of rural Ruritania about it, which... Uh, um, it's certainly there, Tolkien, but uh, um, I, I like the fact there are no churches in Hobbiton. Interesting, okay. isn't it? If you were designing the ideal village, you'd put a church in it, but now, this is before Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, this is when people were not told what was right and wrong. They discovered it for themselves. Uh, and, of course, that in the people of the Shire is very appealing. And, and, and the, the four, it's the four Hobbits who saved the world is... Uh, is a wonderful notion. And I think that explains why the, the, the story is so popular in me, that it's what we would all like to be the case, wouldn't it? What is the one message that you would like the audiences to get? Uh, the, the one thing that will be the legacy of the Lord of the Rings movie? I, I wouldn't presume to, to tell an audience what to think ever in anything I do. I'm not a politician. I'm not a proselytizer. I'm not a pamphleteer. I'm an actor. And I work on behalf of, uh, of people who do the writing, who have the message. My, my job is not to tell the audience anything, it's just to explain the person I'm playing, and, uh, beyond the side of the character I'm playing, good or bad. I don't, I don't, I don't judge characters. I, when I played Richard III, I didn't say, I'm going to tell the audience why, why they shouldn't like tyranny and dictators. I just got on with explaining why Richard III turned out to be the way he was. And the same with Gandalf, I wish to do my best to impersonate it, but I, I can't anticipate the audience's reaction. Uh, can you describe uh, how was to shoot those battle scenes? I mean, one thing is what we see in the film, it's all the CGI, and I guess something different was being in that. Well, it was a little bit confusing, and I was—I've only been absolutely clear what those battles were about when I actually saw them on the screen. Although mm -hmm. uh, Peter was very specific about the, the details of what was going on, uh, sometimes you know, when I'm standing on a balcony overlooking the destruction of Mount Doom or something, I—I'm looking at nothing, and, and Peter's explaining to me, and I, I off camera. And uh, um, I used to get a little bit lost, actually. 
and, and I realized, having seen the film just two nights ago, that I did a lot of the fighting in, in that, uh, in the third film, very, very early on in my time on the shoot. I'd forgotten that. Uh, when we were on the, the, the dreadful volcanic, volcanic fields around Mount Rupehu. <coughs> of that battle, quite recently, uh, uh, and, and, and the set of Mount Tirith, uh, in an old quarry just outside Wellington. So, confusing, really. Uh, and you're very much in those situations. Um, even as Gandalf is, you know, the commander-in-chief, uh, the real commander is Peter Jackson, and, uh, and uh, you just know at the end of the day with Peter, if, if he says that's excellent, then, then he's got what he wants, and uh, you, you trust him. Uh, so the fighting side is much less interesting for me than, than, than the detailed stuff and the conversations and the, uh, the eyeballing with the other characters and uh, all that side of the acting. Did you realize when you you made these most recent choices in the, over the last few years of the films that you would do? I mean, what realization did you have that you were suddenly becoming become a gigantic icon for a younger generation? People kept telling me your life's going to change, and I didn't really know what mm -hmm. they meant. They were referring to Magneto as well in X Men right. Two, which was a huge following. I probably have a different demographic. Um, uh, a younger, more steadfast name. Youth or audience for that. <coughs> but uh, uh, Lord of the Rings goes right up, up and down the generations. Well, you know, I didn't sit down at home and, and say to myself, hmm, now I, I, I want to be um, play an iconic figure of the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> and when two of them turned up cheek by jowl, it was just chance. But I, did, I was unfamiliar with both. I didn't know X-Men and I didn't know Lord of the Rings. So I didn't really know what I was getting involved with. But it didn't take long to find out. And it was mainly through my website when I began to get big correspondence from people who mm -hmm. really knew these things. And I was able to say to some of them, I remember some bad wrote in about X-Men. I said, well, would you do me a favor? Would, would you write the history of Magneto down? Because I don't think I'm going to be able to read the last 35 years of comic material. And he did. He sent me a long, mm -hmm. a long description of where Magneto had come from, all the contradictions in the various plottings that they've had over the years. And... Uh, well, uh, and the same with Lord of the Rings, that uh, people who knew books backwards and read them every summer, you know, all waiting that um, see that we did things well and right according to their likes. And, uh, uh, it could very easily have happened, of course, that uh, the movies haven't been approved of, and we wouldn't be here talking like this now. But. Uh, so it's all chance, isn't it? It's, yeah. all, it's all luck being in the right place at the right time. And uh, I very nearly didn't do all of them because X-Men overran and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Somehow the dates were pulled and tinged. I, I, I can remember the day when, when, when X-Men was going to overrun and, and I, I called up Peter Jackson. I had a particularly sad heart and said, oh, sorry, I can't do that. After all, I, I got to do an extra month on Magneto. And it was just a chance that night of being in the same restaurant as Bob Shea, who runs New Line Cinema, who said, I'm glad you're doing the movie. 
And I said, well, no, I'm not. That's from this afternoon. I'm not doing it. What's the problem? Well, I'm working with Fox. Oh, leave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like these moguls say, and uh, I did leave it to him, and lo and behold, mm-hmm. a lot of people were hoped with that. Brad Singer, who was directing X-Men, a big fan of the books, said, Ian, you've got to play Gadot. A lot of people do better than I did, but what I was getting involved in is the point I'm making, I suppose. And so Brian guaranteed that I would be finished on time, and uh, I'm very grateful that he's going to come to the premiere tonight. Was was uh, the was there any apprehension in you playing Gandalf? I know Andy said there was some. Uh, John Johnny Stacey said that uh, there was a lot of. Uh, he just didn't want to get involved in something that was quite as long as the Lord of the Rings, and. Neither of them seem, seem to have, at the beginning, a, a complete appreciation for how much, I don't know, mm. love there is for the well, I mean, one of the reasons I wasn't unhappy to, to tell Peter I wasn't coming to New Zealand was that I, I wasn't sure about living away from home in a country I didn't know for a year. But there's nothing new to me about taking on a job that's going to last a year. I've signed contracts for two years. Stratford on Avon or National Theatre or something. I've been in long runs. I've been Salieri on Broadway and Amadeus for, for 12 months without thinking about it. Uh, jobs sometimes last that long. So that, that wasn't uh, a worry to me. It was just being away from friends and so on. But they very sweetly gave us some tickets. So actually, I had friends staying with me the whole time I was running a bed and breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, if you've not been to New Zealand, you have to go. It's a very, very special. Blessed place. Because your character is the uh, one that everyone turns to. You are the wise man. You are the, the sage. Was it like that on the set? Did everyone <laughs> What was Spend it, it like? Uh, no, no, no. no. Okay. I think it would be the answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> Man is, is, is Jackson. I mean, every morning you would arrive on set, didn't matter how early you got there, uh, you got down in costume, and uh, Peter would be sitting down in his, his chair. That's the video monitors that he watched the proceedings on, reading a book. And it was always the same book, Lord of the Rings, always. But uh, I could match him because I had a, I had a pocket in Henry of the Grey's costume, but I kept my Lord of the Rings in, and. Uh, so, you know, the night before, I'd, I'd look up the scene we were going to do and see was there anything in the Tolkien that had, I thought had been missed or overlooked or could enhance what we got. And if you could point to a particular line and say, could we not have this back in the script? And it was written by Tolkien, Peter, almost always said, of course. Uh, but he was the authority, and, and he, it's his movie. It's, it's his vision of um, of um, talking, every basic decision across, passed across his desk. But he ain't a tyrant, and and uh, he's um, he he like all good directors, he casts well. I don't just mean the actors, but heads of departments, so people he could totally rely on. No one was sacked at this point. He he picked the right person, quite along the line, and uh, you cannot. 
overestimate people. What kind of total master? What kind of uh, direction that Peter Jackson David played your character? What sort of, of instruction? instruction. Uh, the ma the main argument that we would have, I mean, discussion, a disagreement. What's the word? Different point of view. Was that if the character was angry, let's say, Peter wanted you to be angry. And I often I'd say, well, Peter. Sometimes when people are angry, they 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 turn very charming. And smile. They get very quiet. They're seething inside. That, that's a lifetime of looking for the subtext from this act. You know, what is really going on? Peter, in this story, didn't want any doubts about what was going on. He wanted it up front. So, despite all the beautiful pastel shades of of of, of the uh, the tinting of, of the, I mean, and you know, every single frame has been specially coloured. But he wanted the emotions to be primary colours. Mm -hmm. Didn't want any doubts what was going on. If you're angry, you're angry. If you're in love, you're in love. If you're worried, you're really worried. No, all right. So we, and what would happen is we would have this, not argument, but discussion. And, and if he didn't persuade me or vice versa, then what would happen is I'd do it both ways. And he could pick which he wanted to use. Did he often pick yours? Um, well, I would have to go back and, 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 and have a look and, and try and assess that. But uh, I do trust his taste so much. I think he's got wonderful taste. That, um, I, you know, I'd happily say he made the right decisions. But um, I think sometimes there's subtlety in my performance. So maybe I, I did win out for this one. Where's the tattoo? The tattoo, I have it there. What number? What number? Don't you like Well, there are nine members of the fellowship. Oh, okay. But then Peter Jackson had one, and his is ten. Oh. <laughs> In Elvish. <laughs> Mine says Gucci upside down. I don't know what the word for nine in Elvish is. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, sure, yes. Were you by the window, or was that? That's not uh, how things work in these hotels, is it? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. You Did you? Have you seen the film? Have you? Oh, yeah. 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 Do you give it the thumbs up? as well. Yes. It does make it into the DVD extended. Well, yeah, the two towers extended DVD is correct. Well, a friend of mine, the director, said he thought it was much better than the You know, after listening to this again, I realized um, that discussion that Ian McKellen and Peter, J where he talks about uh, how Peter Jackson 
would come in the morning and arrive on set and he would be there reading the books, uh, reading the what Tolkien wrote about the scene that they were going to film during the day. Um, and Ian McKellen would do the same thing the previous night. He would read uh, what the next day they would be filming so that he could see if there was anything that had been missed or overlooked or even enhanced based on what the script that he already had. So he was fully engaged in what Tolkien wrote. And, um, and this desire uh, to be near to the books <laughs> would have probably helped my perspective on how much I disliked The Fellowship of the Ring when it first came out. But that there is a passion for Tolkien uh, in Peter Jackson and in the actors that he hired. I mean, we see it in here in what Ian McKellen said. We saw it in uh, Viggo Mortensen carrying his sword around everywhere, right? The, the, the passion to be immersed in Middle Earth, in, in Tolkien's world. Um, we saw it in Christopher Lee, obviously, who has who read famously, has stated that he read uh, The Lord of the Rings every year for like 40 years. I guess at the time it would have been 30 years when because he was the only cast member who actually met Tolkien. So um, there is the, the desire to recreate, to, to subcreate out of Tolkien's world and let, you know, the, the cracks of light of, of, of what Tolkien wrote shine through the films because you can't fully recreate what we can create in our head from what Tolkien wrote, right? That's what we went through on fairy stories is that it's impossible for a film to uh, create a world as completely as your mind can when it's an author's words to your head. Um, you are experiencing hills and mountains because you experience them based on your own life experiences. And so the world that you create in your head when you read The Lord of the Rings is different than the world that I create when I read The Lord of the Rings. But since we've read it, since we've seen it, sorry, since we've seen it in the films and it was so good, now it's not a true subcreation anymore. But I think <laughs> this is a big, long discussion on fairy stories that I could get into over and over and over again. But I think there's a value to having something great on film um, that is Tolkien's world because a lot of people, like I, I still appreciate that a lot of people got to experience Tolkien in a way that is uh, closer to the books than I expected, despite some of the my misgivings about some of the decisions they made. So that's my thoughts on uh, Ian McKellen. I mean, I, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we're going to move into our extended podcast now. We're going to talk a little bit more about my thoughts on Ian McKellen playing Gandalf um, on the state of Tolkien fandom with the Rings of Power right now because uh, it's kind of what brought me back in 2021 to the community of Tolkien fans again. Um, you know, had kids for about a decade and... Uh, when I was at Knott's Berry Farm with uh, four of them, 11, oh, what were they probably uh, 10, 8, 6, and 4, um, we were there, my wife and I and the four kids, and I got this text from Dan that prompted me to jump back in. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, we can talk about, uh, somebody had a question about the audio dramatizations for the Lord of the Rings and which ones I like and which ones I don't like. So we'll talk about that. And if you want that, you can go to thelearning.com slash member, become a member, join us. See us in our Discord chats, have deep discussions about on fairy stories. And if we can kind of, I've been, we've been trying to, to, to nail it down to sort of one understandable sentence. And boy, is that hard. I tried it in the podcast and I think I kind of failed, but it's a, uh, it's a little tough. It's a little tough to nail something down that is uh, a long essay that's had many uh, scholarly uh, examinations done of it over the last 50 years. So uh, give that a listen, go to the one.com slash member, become a member. Uh, and if you're so inclined, like Harrison, Adam, Lynn, or Chuck, who give a little bit more to support us a little bit more, you can do that too. 
first month is always free. So join us there. Uh, and since Michael's not here, I'm sorry. I still, gosh, I still have to say it, guys. Goodbye, freeloaders. <laughs>